There's a line in that song that says that, uh, that our hearts hunger for. Now, if you're not a believer, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, the only thing I want you to do right now is just to open your heart and open your mind to see what God has for you. But for those people that put their faith and trust in Jesus, my question is, have you come hungry today? Because sometimes what we do is we, we come to, a, to, to watch a message and we just come to do a religious exercise. We open our ears, but we don't open our hearts. What's sad about that song is that it says what the line goes to that our hearts always hunger for. If I'm being completely honest, my heart doesn't always hunger for the things of God. And that's not to say anything bad about God. That's something to say about me. I should have a hunger for God. I should have a hunger for His Word. So my question is, come hungry today. If you leave out of here and say, man, the message didn't really do anything for me today. Now, I'm going to try my best to do everything I can to be faithful to the Holy Spirit and what He's telling me to do. But my question is, are you ready to hear? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready for the Word to speak to your life? Are you expecting me to show you something great and wonderful and new and give you some aha moment so that you can write that down and say, man, that was really cool. The Word of God is not here to, 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 to entice you into really cool, uh, interesting thoughts. The Word of God is here to change your life. And so the question is, do you want to be changed today or not? And so as we go into this message, I just ask you to open your heart and come hungry for the Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the opportunity it is, Lord God, to, to, to even sit and hear and listen to your Word. For us to be able to openly do this in places, there are places around this world, Lord God, where they're doing this in secret. And unfortunately, we take this for granted. We think this is just something that, 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 that should happen and, and needs to happen and, and, and bless me if you can. When in reality, Lord God, every time the word is opened, every time the word is opened, Lord God, you can speak to us. And Lord God, that's what I want you to do today. And so, Lord God, we need you in an awesome, real, and mighty way. Lord God, the Holy Spirit, I pray, would be, Lord, I'm thankful that, Lord, you are using me. But, Lord God, if you have to, to, to use me in spite of me to get your word out, Lord God, I pray you do that today. So, Lord, we need you in an awesome, awesome way. I need you in an awesome, awesome way. And, Lord, we pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's the title of the message. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is Fully Convinced or Fully Believe. Fully Convinced or Fully Believe. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to talk specifically about a, an encounter that Jesus has with a particular uh, disciple, a particular apostle. Okay, so there are 12 disciples, 12 apostles, one being Judas, betrayed Jesus. And so now we're at a place where we have 11 different disciples. And so last week we, we saw that Jesus showed himself evident to the disciples, but one of the disciples was missing, and his name was Thomas. And so we're going to talk specifically about Thomas today and how God interacted with him and what God said to him and, and, and what that can say and help us, okay? But before we get into it, we need to kind of understand a little bit more about Thomas. Now, if you're reading your Bible, if you're reading the gospel, there are certain disciples, certain apostles that are talked about a lot. 
that are, that are, that are specifically by name shown and, and, and has an interaction with, interaction with Jesus and we see where they're talking to. But on the other side of it, there are disciples and apostles that, that we, don't, we only know them by name. We only know them by name. There's one of them called Bartholomew. There is in no way, shape, or form any place in the Bible where you can see Bartholomew talk. Now, he was one of the 12. He was one of the followers of Jesus, but we don't see him in any way, shape, or form talk or do anything. He was, he was part of the 12. He followed Jesus. He probably talked collectively as a group, but we never see him specifically say something to Jesus. And so we know people like Peter and James and John, those kind of people, those more prominent disciples. Obviously, we know Jesus because he portrayed him. But, but Thomas, we, we don't know a lot about Thomas, but we see Thomas specifically talk and, and interact with Jesus in this time. And so we're going to look at those two examples before we get into the actual meat of the message today. The first time we see Thomas kind of speak up and be, be highlighted is in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now this is in reference to uh, Lazarus. Uh, when, when Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick, what he does is he says, okay, well, I, I know he's sick, but this sickness is not unto death. And so they wait there. And, and as they're going about, they, they say, you know, well, we need, to, we need to get, we're going towards Lazarus. And he said, well, he sleeps. And he says, you know, well, you know, he, and, and Jesus is like, okay, if he, or the disciples say, if he's asleep, then maybe we don't need to bother him or whatever like that. And so here's where we pick up in John chapter 11 and verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus wanted to make sure they weren't, weren't, weren't in any way, shape, or form uh, worried or thinking that he was just asleep and we're going to wake him up from sleep. No, Lazarus is dead. And notice in verse 15, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there to intent. You may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, before we get into, into verse 16, the disciples really didn't want him to go to where Lazarus was because where Lazarus was, there was a lot of... A lot of um, Religious people that were rising up against Jesus, and there was fears. There was fear that if they went back to this area, that they would then be killed. And so, really, from the standpoint of that Jesus wanted to go back there, there's this thing of okay, okay, we're going back, and they may they may stone us, they may kill us. And then notice in verse 16 it says, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. That's the first time we've ever seen Thomas open his mouth and that, hey, the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, you know, if we go back to this particular area where, where Lazarus is, there may be people that go to try to kill us and stone us. And Thomas stands up and says, hey, we'll just go and we'll die with him. If Lazarus is dead, we're willing to go die as well. And so Thomas, obviously, he's willing to, to do whatever it takes to, to follow Jesus. And he's, he's dedicated. I don't know about you, but I feel like he's dedicated. He's willing to go die for the cause of Christ. And so that's the first time that we see Thomas is right here in the interaction with Lazarus. That he says, look, I'm willing to go and die with him. We're ready to go. Another time we see Thomas speak up is in John 14. Now, in John 14, he talks specifically about that, you know, uh, let your heart not be troubled. If you, if, you, if you believe in God, believe also me and my Father's house are many mansions. He starts to talk to them about heaven. He starts to talk to them about, about this way that they can get to heaven. And so in John chapter 14, verse 5, said, Thomas saith unto them, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? 
So Thomas is one that, that, that he wants to know how, how to get to heaven. He wants to know to get to that place where there's many mansions. How can we go and be back with you again? He wants to know. He's excited. He wants to be a part. He's been willing to die, and now he wants to know how he, how he, can, be, how he can go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. And Jesus responds in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Which is very encouraging words because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way back to God. It's through Jesus. But in these two examples, we see here, one is Thomas is very extremely dedicated, ready to die. And also he's someone that wants to go to heaven, wants to be with Jesus, wants to be with God, wants to know the way. Because we're about to look at the, the particulars uh, of, of what he says from the standpoint of when he hears the disciples that they've been with Jesus. And we're going to see his response. And the automatic thing is we're going to want to throw off on Thomas and say, what's wrong with Thomas? There's nothing wrong with Thomas. Thomas is a, is a genuine follower of Jesus. A genuine follower of Jesus. He was willing to die for the cause of Christ. He wanted to know how to, get back, how to get to God and to be in heaven one day. He wanted to know. He was all in. Now let's pick up in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 24. Verse 24. It says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except, notice what he says, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said, Look, I know y'all have seen him, but I'm not believing, and except I, I see, notice this, except I see the prince in the hand, unless I put my finger into the prince of the hand, and that I thrust, I don't know about you, but that seems a little violent from the standpoint, uh, he wants to thrust it into the side of Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus was, was, was put on a cross. He had nails driven through his hands and through his feet. But when they saw that, that they were about to break his legs because they wanted to hurry up the, the death process, what they did is they didn't break his legs, but they, they put a spear into his side. And so he has this wound in his side. And Thomas is saying, look, until I see the nail prints, until I put my finger in the nail prints, until I thrust aside, notice what he says, I will not believe. I will not believe. But notice in verse 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, or inside that room, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst saying, Peace be unto you. Now, if you're taking notes, here's the first first point. It is okay to doubt. It is okay to doubt. Now, I know that may be a little foreign concept to you, especially if you have any kind of church background. Somebody may tell you, you know what, you don't need to doubt. Let me tell you about what people refer to Thomas, where they refer to Thomas as, the, as doubting Thomas. But it's okay to doubt. We'll look at that in just a minute, why it's okay to doubt. But I don't know about you, but for me, for me, I want Jesus to always show himself in plain sight. For me, when it comes to the will of my life, 
I want Jesus to tell me specifically what it is. Here, here I, I like to go to the beach a lot. And when you go to the beach, when, you, when you're on the beach, sometimes these planes will go by. And these planes will go by this way and that way, and they'll have banners behind them. And they'll say like, hey, you know, tank tops are 50% off or, or, you know, whatever. I don't know. But they'll go by, and, and, and these banners behind these planes will have, have these messages telling you to check out this particular store and get this particular deal. If I'm being completely honest, that's how I want God to show his will in my life. I want him to get a plane and fly, fly a plane across the sky and put a banner behind it. And I want every time I go outside, I want this plane to go by that shows the banner of what God's will is for my life. That's what I want. You know what? Here's what I'll do. I want, I want God to, to, you know, here's what, I want. God, can you write me a letter? Can you write me a letter specifically addressed to me? And tell me exactly what what your will is for my life. Like, I want that letter. But let's be honest. I don't want to wait for the letter. Hey, God, can you send me a text message? Or God, can you send me an email? Hey, it'd be really cool if you'd FaceTime me. Because if you FaceTime me, then I can make make sure it's you. Because I can see you on the screen. Why don't you FaceTime me, God? Like, I want billboards that as I go down the street, I want billboards telling me God's will for my life. I, I, want, I want every single commercial when I watch TV, I want it to say, hey, Buchanan, here's the will for your life. I want when I, go, when I go on the Internet, I want the Internet ads to pop up on every single Internet page I go on and say, hey, guess what? Buchanan, God's will for your life. Click here. That's what I want. And if you say you don't want that, you're lying. That's what you want too, Right? That's what we all want. We all want God to just show it and just put it right out there. Here's the will for my life. But what I want to encourage you about, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to doubt. Because every single person I've ever met has has dealt with doubt in some way, shape, or form. Now, you may not be doubting about your salvation, but you can't tell me that you haven't doubted in other areas of your life. And it's okay to doubt. And why do I say that? The reason why I say it's okay to doubt, because notice, when Thomas was doubting, Jesus still showed up. Jesus still showed up. You know that Jesus, here's what Jesus could have done. Jesus could have said, you know what, because he doesn't believe, and let's say, more importantly, because Thomas says, I will not believe. I don't know about you, but that sounds like that Thomas already had his mind made up. Jesus could have said, you know what, if he's already got his mind made up, he's not going to believe me. He's got to have this physical evidence. He's got to actually physically touch me in the places where I was wounded for his transgressions and sins. If he has to have that, you know what, not coming back. Not going to show myself. I showed myself to disciples, but I'm not showing myself to Thomas. Dude, what's really cool about this is that Jesus doesn't act like us. Because if I heard that somebody wouldn't believe me, they chose they weren't going to believe me in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't matter what. Unless I did this, 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 and this. The, 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 the fleshly side of me is saying, you know what? I'm not going to give them the gratification. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. If they need to have that much, uh, that much evidence or that much you know, conditions in order to believe on me, I'm just not going to show up. But I'm not Jesus. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Neither are you. So let's be honest. Let's be completely honest. When I look in the scriptures, I want to see more myself in Jesus, but honestly, I see myself more in the disciples. I see myself just like Thomas was. I doubted. 
But it's okay to doubt because here's the deal. Jesus still showed up. Jesus can still show up in the midst of your doubt. So let's keep on going. Let's, keep, let's look at some more, some more things to look at from the standpoint of fully convinced or fully believed. Let's keep on talking about this doubt a little bit. Let's look back in verse, verse 26 again. It says, And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, saying, Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. That, word, that, that phrase, peace be unto you, is the exact same phrase that he used when he first showed himself to the eleven. See, what's interesting about this is that the way he came to Thomas is the same way he came to the disciples. That just because he was doubting, just because he, 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 he wouldn't believe, Jesus still came to him in the exact same way. So if you're taking notes, I want you to help, help you with this. Number two, doubt does not stop God. Doubt does not stop God. I'll give you an example of that. Let's go to Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 14. It says, And when his disciples, this is why Jesus was on the earth, okay, before his resurrection, before his crucifixion, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with teeth, and, and, and pineth him. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So here's this guy, here's this guy right here that, that, that he's, he's saying, hey, my son is possessed. My son is possessed. And so right now, at this very moment, he's possessed. And so can you do something about this? Can you cast out this, this, this demon that's inside my son? And they couldn't do it. The disciples could not do it. Look at verse 19. He answered him and saith, this is Jesus, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it? This is Jesus saying to the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. Ever since he was a child, this is what he was, <clears throat> ever since he was a child, this is how long he has been with this demon. Let's go in verse 22. And oftentimes, he, the father describes what's going on. And oftentimes, it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus responds in verse 23. Jesus saith to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Notice what the father says back to Jesus in verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. What's interesting there, before we, before we, we, we have a couple more verses, because we'll see what, exactly what Jesus did. He says right there, I believe, but help mine unbelief. See, what's interesting about this, and, and, and when it comes to the fact of being, it's okay to doubt, is that this, this man right here, this father, 
This father, when he, when he looks at his son and when he knows that Jesus can do something about it, he's saying, I believe, but help mine unbelief. He believes, but yet he doesn't believe. He has belief, but he has doubt. So, so I guess the, the, one of the things we can learn from this and see from this is that you can believe and have doubt at the same time. That just because you have doubt doesn't mean you necessarily don't believe. He says, I believe, but help mine unbelief. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there. I've been in a place to where I have confidence that God will do and can do, or excuse me, I have confidence that God can, I just don't know if God will. I know God has the ability to do, but will he do it for me? And so we have this this man right here, and I love the fact that he has tears in his eyes, because I don't know about you in the Christian life, sometimes when it comes to the Christian life, there are times when I'm looking and I've got tears in my eyes because I believe, but I have unbelief at the same time, and I'm in a place of just, God, what can you do? What are you doing? What will you do? Just be in a place of, I don't know, God. I just don't know. So he says, I believe, but help mine unbelief. Now, again, if we were putting ourselves in this position, we would say, hey, here's what's going on. Because I know the Father says he believes, but he has unbelief. And so because Jesus Jesus is not going to do something in that situation, because, hey, he has doubt. So if he's not even going to believe me, I guess I don't need to even do anything. But notice what happens in verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more unto him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch as many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. He arose. See, what's interesting about this is that that just because this father dealt with some doubt, this father dealt with unbelief, Jesus still moved. Jesus still moved. And now here's why this is so important. Because let's be honest, when I'm in a place of doubt, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't need to be in this place of doubt because then God won't do anything. God can move in spite of your doubt. God can still work in spite of your doubt. Again, this points back to what we talked about the first point. It's okay to doubt. <laughs> Here's what's so cool about this. Do you think God is, is, is surprised when you doubt? I don't think he's surprised at all. He knows. We're, we, are, we are fleshly humans that, that, that are, are incapable of everything that, that, that really probably we should do. We are incapable from the standpoint of, of being able to live this Christian life. The only way I live the Christian life is not by my own power and strength. The only way I live the Christian life is through the power of the Holy Spirit and with Jesus in me and through me. The fact that Jesus in me is the one who can help me to believe. Jesus is the one who can help me to follow. Jesus is the one to help me to be obedient. It's not me, it's him. We sing a song, yet not I, but Christ in me. So he had doubt. But that didn't stop. That didn't stop Jesus from working. 
That didn't stop Jesus from moving. That didn't stop Jesus from doing the things that he was planning to do. It didn't stop him. It didn't stop him at all. Let's pick up in verse 27 in chapter 20. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, he addressed Thomas directly, says, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. But notice what he says, And be not faithless, but believing. Verse 28, And Thomas answered and saith unto him, My Lord and my God. Now, number three. Number three if you're taking notes. Faith with conditions is not true faith. Faith with conditions is not true faith. Because what I love about this and what Jesus says when when he talks in 27 and 28, Jesus talks directly to Thomas I mean, he comes in, he says, peace be, peace be unto you. He says exactly to the group that what he said before, but then he turns to Thomas directly. And he, he specifically takes the things that Thomas said eight days before and addresses those things specifically. One thing, this is a commercial, I guess, a little bit. Notice that, that Jesus knew what Thomas said eight days ago when Jesus wasn't present. Jesus knew exactly what Thomas was thinking, exactly the words that he said. So this whole thing of like, you know, is Jesus always hearing and watching? Here we go. But he dresses him specifically. And he says, reach hither and look at my hands. Touch my hands. Reach hither. Hey, reach hither. Put your hand in my side. But he addresses them and says, look, don't be faithless, but believing. But believing. And be not faithless but believing. Because really what it came down to is that he wasn't going to believe until he actually put his finger in the hand, until he actually thrust it into the side. And Jesus addresses him and says, look, look, Thomas, is it about being fully convinced or is it about fully believing? Don't be faithless. Be not faithless, but believing. Because here's what we do. Here's what we do. We put conditions on our faith. We put conditions on our faith. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, they, would, they say, you know, if God would do this, then I would believe. If God would do that, then I would believe. I've heard this before. I've heard this before. I'll be obedient to do what God has asked me to do, but first I need God to do this for me. And so what we do is we put, we put conditions on God. I will follow God as long as he comes to this condition, this condition, this condition, and this condition. And according to Jesus himself, if you need a bunch of conditions in order to believe, you have really not, you have not truly exercised your faith. Talked about it last week, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you have to physically see God do this, that, and the other to believe, you have no faith. Faith is believing something that you can't see. 
Faith is believing something that you can't tangibly touch. And what's interesting about this, notice that Thomas, we never see Thomas. Now, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but we don't see in any way, shape, or form that Thomas actually physically gets up and, and, and looks at and puts his hand in his fingers or puts his hand in his side. When he hears Jesus say, look, you want to do this? You want to do that? He said, be, be, be not faithless, but believing. And it says, just so y'all are following me. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. At that point, when Jesus, when Jesus he sees Jesus, Jesus references, hey, if you got to do this, you do this, okay? But, don't be fa- but, but be not faithless in believing. At that very moment, he believes that he is not only God, but he is Lord. My Lord and my God. Faith with conditions is not true faith. Because if you're waiting, and and I'm going to talk specifically, I'm going to talk specifically to the person that's watching that has not put their faith and trust in Jesus. If you're waiting for God to fill every single condition, then you'll get saved. You'll be waiting forever. And what's sad about that situation is you're going to be waiting forever, and because you're waiting forever, that means you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. Because you needed a list of conditions for God to fulfill in order for you to believe. Faith and belief. Faith and belief. They go hand in hand, guys. You can't separate the two. Okay? So, so it's not conditions. Now, I'm going to talk to the person that's the, the Christian. I'm going to talk to the person that's saved. Why are you waiting for God to do all these things for you before you'll obey Him? Before you'll follow Him? Let's be completely honest. God doesn't have to do anything for you anymore. He's already done it. The fact that you can the fact that you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the fact that one day you can go to heaven, the fact that you that you do not have to fear death, but will have a home in heaven forever with God, the fact that you have the presence of Jesus in your life, all those things is not because of anything you did. It's all because of the things he's already done. And so if we're going to continue to, 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 to show faith in a way that it only will, I, I will only, I, my faith will go as far as God will do, that's not faith. That's not faith. Let's finish up here. Verse 29. Then Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed Look at this. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Here's what he says. Okay, so, right, great. You've seen me, you believed. (laughs) This is what's so cool about this. Is that what he's saying for every single person, and for every single person that's never seen Jesus physically, which be every single person watching right now, that they're the ones that are blessed because they didn't see, but they believed. That when it comes to the, the disciples and the, the apostles, Thomas and all those people, if you want to put them in a category and then put everybody else after Jesus resurrected, what Jesus is saying is these people over here, these people are blessed because they didn't have to see, but they believe, and yet y'all had to see in order to believe. 
Notice what he goes on in verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples, which is not written in this book. So there's so many more things that he did. Verse 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus, notice that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Final point, and then we'll be done. Number four, faith comes through His Word. Faith comes through His Word. As we look right here, obviously he addressed Thomas, hey, you've seen me, now you believe, but blessed are they that haven't seen me believe. But then it goes on and talks about all the different signs. They're not even written in this book. But then he talks about in verse 31, let's look at it one more time, but these are written. The words you see right now in your Bible, these words that are put on, on this page for all of us to see these, these, these thousands of years later, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and the believing, look at this, and the believing you might have life through His name. Then we look at His Word that we believe, and because we believe, then we can have life forevermore, eternally. But it starts with His Word. It starts with His Word. It comes by faith in this, in what the words are written here. Let me help you with this. It's not about me. It's not about a person. It's not about a, a preacher. It's not about a commentary or what you took on TV. It's about this, the Word. These were written so you believe. I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to to, to make it to where you think that, oh, let me give you a compelling argument. We've been talking about that for weeks. It's not about a compelling argument. It's not about trying to convince you in your mind, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now I'll believe. No, it's about hearing the Word of God and letting it change you. Let's be honest. When we have doubts, when we have doubts, our first response is to look at the world. Now, I'm saying that not from the standpoint of looking to sin, even though I guess if you're doubting, you could be going towards sin. I don't recommend that. Obviously, that in no way, shape, or form is going to help you to see what God has for your life by going into sin. But what I'm talking about is we go to things that we can, we go to things that, okay, this will give me a definitive answer. We go into our own mind. Maybe if I think about it a little bit more, maybe I'll figure it out. Or we go to other people. And then we start, or, or, or like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll Google it. How many times have you, have you had some doubts in your life and you go to Google and you read an article? And, 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 and we're like, it's this, this hey, if I, if I can just intellectually get this, maybe I won't doubt anymore. We can't go to the world for our doubts. We can't go to the world for our doubts. I'm not, against, I'm not against counsel. I'm not against people that can help you and, and guide you and direct you and all that kind of stuff. But here's what I want to help you with. Just like I tell people, when it comes to study, commentary is a person's opinion. Guess what? If you go talk to somebody about your doubts, they're going to give you their opinion. And I'm not looking for opinion. 
I'm looking for facts. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for something I can take and say, hey, you know what? This is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is absolute. I can trust this source. And every single source you go out there is is a is an unreliable source. You can talk to your spouse about your doubts. You can talk to your parents about your doubts. You can talk to your friend about your doubts. You can talk to your pastor about your doubts. And those are great and wonderful, wonderful assets and things like that. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, when you talk to a human about your doubts, you can you can argue with a human. You can't argue with this. You can't argue with this. We're not to go, we're not to go seeking out and trying to figure out our doubts with the world. We need to remove a letter. World, W-O-R-L-D. We need to remove a letter. We need to take the L out and we need to focus on the word. We need to focus on the word. Because here's, you, 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 you don't believe me. You don't believe me because what you're wanting to do is you're like, wait, I'm having doubts, Buchanan. So, so, so what am I supposed to do? You know, all this kind of stuff. I, I need to be talking to somebody, right? Okay. The opposite of doubt is faith. Doubt, faith. Okay. Last verse. Short verse. Here we go. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. Your faith, (laughs) your faith is not going to be built up by what somebody else says. Let me help you this way. Well, Buchanan, I've talked to people before, and that's really built my faith. How long did that last? How long did that last? Man, you know, when, 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 when this situation or circumstance and, and, and something happened, man, that really built my faith. How long did that last? How long did that last? Because, man, you had a lot of faith in God when he, when he, when he provided that job or, or he, he, he paid for that bill or, you know, he, he did this or that, all kind of stuff. And then two weeks later, you're like, God, where are you at? The only thing that builds your faith is the word of God. That's the only thing that builds your faith. Because here's what's interesting about this. These words never change. These words never change. Guess what? You go to somebody in your doubt, their opinion this week is going to be different next week and the month after and the years later. This will never change. Your circumstance or your situation may get better, but guess what? It may get better for a season and then it's going to go back. To something different. And there's going to be another thing and another thing and another thing. And it's going to be constantly like, okay, my, my faith is dependent on what's going on. Guess what? Every time you can go back to this. Every single time. And this is what's so cool about this. John himself says it in his writing. The reason why he wrote these things down is so that you would believe that Jesus is Christ. You'd believe that he is the Son of God. And you have life through Jesus Christ. That's why these words were written. That's why your Bible exists. 
It exists. It exists so that you can go to the Word on a consistent basis and you can look at it and it can encourage you and it can build you up. It can help you with your doubts. It can, it can guide you and direct you in your doubts. It can help you to see, like if you're dealing with doubt, and I'm being honest, let me just be honest. When I'm dealing with doubt, the last thing I want to do is read my Bible. And it's interesting, we neglect the one thing that can make the biggest impact in our life, Right? It's amazing when, when, when things aren't going, going well in our lives, the first person we abandon is Jesus. When in reality, the only way to get back to where we need to be and, and, and have, our, have our faith renewed and have our belief strengthened is through His Word. It's through His Word. If you're dealing with doubt right now, like it, it's time to get in His Word. It's time for you to, to remind yourself, no, wait a second, he, he said that, and that's true. He said that, and that's true. He's made that promise, and that's true. And because God was true here, and true here, and true here, and true here, that must mean he'll be true again for me in whatever you're going through right now. So here's some questions. Here's some questions for us to kind of stop on. Where do you stand today? Where do you stand today? Maybe a better way to ask this question is, are you like Thomas right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, being 10, I'm, 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 I'm all the way there, Buchanan. I'm just like Thomas to maybe a 1, like, I, you know what, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place. Where are you on that scale? Where do you stand today? Are you in a, a place of doubt right now? Are you in a place of doubt right now? Uh, and the reason why I'm asking these questions is I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you in a place of doubt right now? Let's get real transparent. In certain ways, I'm in a place of doubt right now. Here's another question maybe. Do you feel God has abandoned you? Do you feel God has abandoned you? You know, I'm I'm praying. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but it just seems like God's not there. Maybe another question is, are you showing true faith or just giving God a list of conditions to believe He is real? Now God, if, you, if, you, if, you'll just, if you'll do, if you'll do this, 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 and this, then I'll believe. Then I'll believe. And maybe the final question is, are you willing to dig into His Word to find the answers to your doubt. Because here's what's interesting about this. Let's be honest. Let's all be honest. I'll be honest myself. When I said you got to go to the Word to get the answers to your doubt, a lot of y'all in your mind going, oh, I hope he answers my, my questions today. I hope, there's a, oh, 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 hope Buchanan can, can give me all these different answers. Because we're spiritual lazy. We don't have to go look for ourselves. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. I've got to tell you this real quick. This, I, hope this, I, I hope this encourages you that, hey, look, when, when, when I'm preaching, like, I hope it, 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 it encourages and helps different people in different ways. But, but I can't tell you that every single point of my message is going to hit you directly. But when I open my Bible by myself, on my own, And I ask God, God, show me what I need to see today. Guess what? God shows me something every single time. 
So my question is, what was the last time you opened your Bible? What was the last time you went searching out for the answers to your doubt? When was the last time, if you had a question or you had a place where you were unsure, when was the last time you opened your Bible and you went to studying and you went to looking? Or is, the only, is it my responsibility? Is it just my responsibility to, to read everybody's mind and then try to preach and answer everybody's question? That's an impossibility, guys. And here's what I want to, this is an encouragement, really. God wants to speak to you through his word. God wants to speak to you through his word. God wants, God wants to help and remove those doubts, but we've got to get in his word to do it. So I don't know where you are right now. Some of you, let's be honest, some of you right now, you're at a place to where, Buchanan, I'm in so much of doubt, I don't even know if I could pick up my Bible if I wanted to. And if you're in that place, I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay. It's not going to stop Jesus from working in your life. It's okay. But I do want to challenge you to say, don't stay there. Like, let's take the conditions off. Let's look into the Word and see if we can transition that, that doubt into faith. To go from having to be fully convinced to fully believe. Now, this time, I just want to pray for every single person. There's somebody right now, there's somebody right now, there's under sound of my voice, has not put their faith and trust in Jesus. Today is the day. I want to help you with that. Really easy. Admit you're a sinner. We're all sinners, okay? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, rose three days later in victory of those sins. And confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. That's what you can do today. So if you're in a Holy Spirit conviction right now of your sin, now's the time to make a decision about that. And you can pray that. You can, you can pray that specifically. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again, and I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And if you pray that, you believe that with your whole heart, you're going to follow Jesus. God can save you from your sin and give you home in heaven forever. But for the Christians, they're dealing with doubt, wavering faith. I'm giving you a, a practical thing for you to do this week. A practical thing for you to do this week, I want you to open your Bible and start searching for answers. Wherever area of, because uh, sometimes doubt is not just about just straight unbelief. It may be doubt in particular areas of your life. Go look at the scripture. Go look at the scripture and find the answers. I've got to do it myself this week. I encourage you to do the same. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you can do. So, Lord, right now, in the sound of my voice, Lord God, there is somebody right now that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus. And, Lord God, right now, I pray that they would admit that they were a sinner. Lord, that they would believe that you died on the cross for their sins and rose three days later in victory over those sins. And, Lord God, that they would confess you in Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, I pray they'd make that decision today. And Lord God, they would understand that decision is not just about praying a prayer and they're good forever. It's about, it's about praying a prayer and not just, not, just get, not just putting their faith and trust in Jesus, but living out their faith and trust in Jesus, following you to the bitter end. And so Lord, right now, 
Lord God, there's people that are under the sound of my voice. They are dealing with doubt. They can't see you very well right now. And Lord God, I pray, Lord, first of all, that you would give them assurance in their heart that even though they are in the midst of doubt, that you are still right there with them. And Lord God, I pray that you would challenge them, Lord God, that they would be in a place where, God, they take all the conditions away. And they take those conditions away, Lord God, and they would seek out your word for the truth that's going to help them to battle those doubts that are in their, in their life. And their doubts can turn to faith. And that what will continue their faith through is not an opinion of someone else, but the word itself. So, Lord God, be with those people. Lord God, I pray that this message does not fall on deaf ears. Lord, I pray that every single person that was listening, for, if, they, if, they, if they listen for five minutes or they listen for 50 minutes, I don't know, God. But, Lord, I pray, however long they listened, that, Lord God, you spoke to them because they were hungry for your word. And you spoke to them in their hearts, Lord God, and you've given them something, Lord God, that can help them to, to encourage their faith, to build their faith up, to let their faith be active this week as they live out and apply the word you've spoke to them. Lord God, I pray that you would move in an awesome way. Lord, we love you and make big of you today because you are awesome. You are awesome, God. We magnify your name because you are worthy. Worthy of our worship. Worthy of our praise. And Lord God, you do not want to leave us to figure this out on our own. You want to help. You want to help. And you've given us the tools with your word to get the help we need. In your wonderful holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, if you truly believed in your heart that you admitted you were a sinner, you believed that he died on the cross and rose again three days later, you confess him as Lord and Savior of life, boldly say this right now. If you're watching on Facebook, boldly type out these words in the comments. I believe. I believe, and we've got people that want to help you and walk you through the steps of the process of your next steps in your new relationship with Christ. Type it out there. I believe. For the rest of you, I told you I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. I want to continue to pray for you, especially in your place of doubt. You need a little bit more faith. I'm praying that God reveals himself in his word this week. Hey, guys, I'm excited about next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be so good, so good. I've missed y'all terribly. I'm ready for the fellowship. I'm ready to worship together in one room, in one building. I know it's not about a building, but I like being with y'all, okay? So we're going to get some more information out this week. I'm excited about that. 8, 9, 30, and 11. We're going to tell you how you can, you can sign up so you can get to particular services. Make sure we need everything on that. I'm excited. Can you tell I'm excited? Okay. All right, guys. Don't forget, this may be the fa- last one that I do. Okay? So enjoy it while you can, all right? Don't forget, keep smiling. <laughs>